We humans are creatures with a burning desire to find the unknown. We love to solve the unsolved, crack codes, find the hidden. But then, some of us want to hide something for the rest of us to find. From the treasure of Lima to Blackbeard's treasure, humans have been hiding treasure and leaving clues to it for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. But sometimes, the treasure is too hard to find. Sometimes, the treasure just can't be found. I am Rishu Chef, and I welcome you to Campfire. Forrest Fenn was a pilot in the United States Air Force, obtaining the rank of Major and awarded the Silver Star for his service in the Vietnam War, where he flew 328 combat missions in just one year. He retired from the Air Force and ran the Aerosmith Fenn Gallery with his partner Rex Aerosmith, which became the Fenn Galleries which he operated with his wife Peggy. The gallery was located in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and sold a variety of American Indian artifacts, paintings, bronze sculptures, and other art including forged copies of works by Modi Gulandi, Monet, Degas, and other artists. The gallery reportedly grossed $6 million a year. Fenn originally filled the chest after he was diagnosed with cancer in 1988. He planned to drag it into the mountains to die beside it. After he survived, he left it in a walk-in vault at his house for years, where a couple of witnesses confirmed to NPR News that they saw it filled to the brim with valuables. He decided to hide it and launch the hunt years later, during the Great Recession. Lots of people were losing their job, despair was written all over the headlines, and I just wanted to give people some hope, he told ABC News. He also intended the location to be his final resting place, with the treasure as a legacy. He recovered from the illness in 2010 and self-published The Thrill of a Trace, a memoir, a collection of short stories from his life. The ornate Romanesque box is 10 by 10 inches and weighs about 40 pounds when loaded. Fenn has only revealed that it is hidden in the Rocky Mountains, somewhere between Santa Fe and the Canadian border, at an elevation above 5,000 feet. It is not in a mine, a graveyard, or near a structure. Fenn says that the stories in The Thrill of the Chase contain hints at, to the chest's location, as well as the poem found in the chapter Golden Moor, which contains a poem with nine clues that will lead the searcher to the chest. At first, nobody noticed. The Thrill of the Chase was only sold in a local New Mexico bookstore. But word spread, and by 2011, there was a small community of determined hunters. Once the media told Fenn's story, the chase was on. The book is now out of print, and copies show up on Amazon for as much as $3,200. Fenn estimates that 350,000 people from across the globe have searched or are currently searching for his treasure. Yet nobody has found it. How, one might reasonably wonder. How could that be? Its value has been estimated as as high as $2 million depending on what the items are. Before the treasure hunt, Fenn conflicted with the authorities over federal antiques law. FBI agents raided his home in 2009 as part of an investigation into artifact looting in the Four Corners area. Items in his possession reportedly included pieces of chainmail from the Picos National Historical Park, human hair, a feathered talisman, and a buffalo skull, some of which were confiscated by the FBI. However, no charges have been filed. Two people targeted in the case committed suicide, and Fenn has blamed the FBI for their deaths. It could be found sooner, 1,000 years from now, Fenn says. Read the clues in my poem over and over and study maps of the Rocky Mountains. Fenn recently told Business Insider, Try to marry the two. The treasure is out there waiting for the person who can make all the lines cross in the right spot. Someone who can make the dots connect. 
Some of the Fen treasure hunters are obsessive. Most of my 12 hours every night I'm on Google or something looking up clues, says Ricky Idlett, a steamboat operator in Mississippi. Every night. Every night I'm looking. There are several online forums where enthusiasts trade theories about where the treasure might be, including an entire subreddit called the Finding Fens Gold that's devoted to the cause. Ben says that he gets 100 emails a day. On a few occasions, he has to call the police after unwelcome visitors show up at his house or threaten him. This one guy called me, Ben told ABC News. He said, tell me where the treasure is right now. I'm going to kill you. And for some, the quest has proven fatal. At least five people are believed to have died in accidents while searching. Randy Bailu went missing in January 2016 and was found dead in July. His body was discovered by workers along the Rio Grande River, and an autopsy could not determine the cause of death. The Lou's ex-wife has publicly stated that her belief is the Fen treasure is a hoax. Jeff Murphy of Batavia, Illinois was found dead in the Yellowstone National Park in, on June 9, 2017, after falling about 500 feet down a steep slope. Pastor Paris Wallace of Grand Junction, Colorado, told the family members that he was searching for a buried treasure but failed to show up for a planned family meeting on June 14, 2017. His car was found parked near the Taos Junction Bridge and his body was found 5 to 7 miles downstream along the Rio Grande. Eric Ashby was found in Colorado's Arkansas River on July 28, 2017. Friends and family state that he moved to Colorado in 2016 to look for the treasure and was last seen on June 28 rafting up the river 10 to 15 miles upstream from where his body was found. Michael Wayne Sexton of Deer Trail, Colorado was found dead by rescuers on March 21, 2020, alongside his unnamed 65-year-old male companion, who later recovered in the hospital. Authorities were notified by the person who had rented a pair of snowmobiles to the men. The pair were discovered within 5 miles of the site where they had been rescued a month earlier, near the Dinosaur National Park Monument along the Utah-Colorado border. This led some to call for Fenn to end the hunt. He hasn't, but he's added a few additional clues on his blog to try and help people stay safe. Some people have an extreme obsession with the treasure. Marty Christ from Blue Ridge, Georgia, better known by her handle Digging Gypsy, searches an average of seven times a year, for weeks at a time. The 49-year-old grandmother is usually joined by her extended family and room permitting a pet rooster named John Wayne. She searches only in West Yellowstone, Montana no longer bothering with Wyoming, Colorado, or New Mexico, the other three mountain states where the treasure might be hidden. She says it's because Fenn once blogged about her, claiming, if I were a betting man, I'd bet on this woman. That was enough for Christ to think she was on the right track. A treasure chest is not underwater, nor is it near the Rio Grande River. It's not necessary to move large rocks or climb up or down a street steep preface, he writes. Please remember that I was about 80 when I made two trips for my vehicle, to where I hid the treasure. He has also affirmed that hiding the treasure in the first place was largely about encouraging families to enjoy the outdoors. I want to give the kids something to do, he said. They spend too much time in the game room or playing with their little handheld texting machines. I hope parents will take their children camping and hiking in the Rocky Mountains. I hope they will fish, look for fossils, turn rotten logs over to see what's under them, and look for my treasure. Overall, considering that possibly hundreds of thousands have gone searching for the treasure. Fenn tells CNBC Make It that hiding in the first place has been successful beyond my wildest dreams. But still, to this day, the Fenn treasure has never been found.
1818, a group of 30 Virginians were on a hunting expedition in the Great Western Plains when they discovered gold and silver somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Led by a charming yet mysterious adventurer named Thomas J. Beale, the group worked in the mine for several years before returning home to bury the treasure, thought to be worth around $65 million. Restless to get back on the plains to hunt the buffalo and encounter the savage grizzlies, and unwilling to let his fortune fall into the wrong hands, Beale created three ciphers that, if solved, would pinpoint the treasure's location, contents, and intended recipients. A box was given to an innkeeper in Luxembourg named Robert Morris. The box given to Morris is claimed to have contained two letters written by Beale to Morris, revealing the true nature of his travels and buried treasure, and three different numerical codes, providing the exact location of the treasure hoard, contents of the buried treasure, and names for one the treasure belonged to. Beale never returned and was only heard from once. Soon after leaving, Beale had written a letter to Morris. The communication was sent from St. Louis on May 9, 1822. The letter mentions the importance and secrecy of the box left in charge of Morris. Beale instructed Morris to open the box if after 10 years he did not return, and informed him a key to decipher the unintelligible numerical codes within the box would be sent to him in 1832. He had left that responsibility to a friend in St. Louis. The key never arrived, and Morris never deciphered the code. The treasure remains lost, so Robert waited. Twenty-three years passed with no word from Beale, and Robert had given up on the key, so he decided to solve them himself. With no avail, the innkeeper gave the ciphers to a friend before he died. The friend spent the next twenty years of his life trying to crack the code. He was only able to solve one of them, which was the very heavily based on the Declaration of Independence. It just so seems that the Thomas J. and Thomas J. Beale stands for the author of the Declaration of Independence himself, Thomas Jefferson. The cracked cipher gave details to, of what the treasure was and the general location of the treasure, which was in the Peaks of Otter in Bedford, Virginia. The innkeeper's friend ended up publishing all three ciphers, although most of it was destroyed in a mysterious warehouse fire. In 1982, Joe Nickel published a scholarly analysis on the papers, using the historical records that cast out the existence of Beale himself, and evidence demonstrating that the documents couldn't have been written at the time alleged. Words like stampeding, for instance, were of a later vintage. His analysis of the writing style shows that Beale was almost certainly James B. Ward, whose 1885 pamphlet brought the Beale papers to light. Nickel claims that the story of the Beale Papers and the Innkeeper is fiction, and that Beale himself was a Freemason. No one is sure if this is true or not. Since the ciphers are published, several attempts have been made to decode the remaining two ciphers and find the treasure, but they have all failed. An attempt to decode the first cipher with a supercomputer in the 1960s has been recorded, but apparently the computer couldn't interpret the code it was receiving, which proves that this format of code was self-invented and could be found in public archives or the internet. If you're looking to claim over $65 million worth of gold, silver, and other precious jewels, you can try and decode those Beale ciphers yourself. Just Google Beale ciphers and check on the image with mixed numbers and try to give it a go. So far, no one has broken the code yet though, until more evidence can be found to either prove or disprove the legendary Beale treasure, the hunt for the lost treasure will continue. The allure and fame brought to the person who does so, along with riches, is enough to keep people researching.
They wouldn't have to find the lost treasure, but only find some clarifications to the hunt. What if the original letters, the missing key from St. Louis, evidence of a Beale in Santa Fe, evidence of where the treasure was, or what if someone finally breaks one or both of the last two unsolved codes? What if Forrest Fenn is a descendant of Thomas J. Beale? Any of this can be found out or any of this can happen at any time. It is a mystery that beckons those daring enough to take up the challenge. I hope you enjoyed these two tales of treasure from this week's episode. Be sure to give Campfire a rating, as we are just a new podcast. Also, try not to listen to the first episode, as that one was, let's just say it was rough. Please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to look for new episodes every other week. I'd also like to thank all the store workers, anyone in the medical field still working, and anyone else working full-time during this crisis. They are risking their lives to save people and have maximum exposure to this virus. The podcast was written and produced by me, Rishushet. Stay at home, and as always, thanks for listening.